you've hit play on The Screen Companion, a show about helping you to decide what to watch tonight. Good morning, it's great to stay up late. Good morning, good morning to you. Another glorious sing-songy episode of The Screen Companion. Glorious. Today we are talking musicals, approaching it from a perspective of perhaps listeners who aren't the greatest fans of musicals. Oh yeah, oh yeah. We have a good mix today. Let's jump right into it with Singing in the Rain from 1952. Andrea, could you give us a little summary of it? This is a movie about, I would say, 1920s or 30s Hollywood when they move from silent films into what they call talkies, which is movies with sound. And the leading lady is like the worst actress and human ever. So they film a movie and it turns out she can't really talk into a microphone or act at all. And they end up hiring an actress to be a ghost actress and say all of her lines and sing all of her roles. In the end, she tries to blackmail this ghost actress to try to make her like sing and talk for her for the rest of eternity, but they out her and she becomes like the laughingstock of Hollywood. Yay. Hooray. And this movie being 70 years old, Stacy, what surprised you the most about it? The lack of singing. <laughs> I love that. It was good. <laughs> I hate to say it, but like it brought me in. It made me want to watch the movie. And on top of it off, just the singing in the ring, the title, I made it start singing the song in my head, thinking about the movie. I'm singing in the rain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, everybody knows that song. I'm trying to figure out the significance of the title. Maybe I'm just not getting it. John, what does singing in the rain mean specifically for the movie? Honestly, I don't know. When's the last time it legitimately rained in Los Angeles? Never. <laughs> yeah. A lie for Hollywood people. I don't know what it would mean in the context of the movie. Everyone does know the song, though. It's, what, 70-year-old song? It's hard to know the context back then. I feel like the context would be most people get sad when it rains. I don't know. I guess. People get mopey because the weather is a downer but he's happy because he fell in love so you know yeah if we parse that out into the greater narrative is it that don lockwood he's down about losing his career to silent movies but he fell in love with debbie reynolds so it's all good i don't see a lot of connection between most of the singing and dancing with the actual plot of this movie I agree that they just threw the music in, in a sense, to drive the fact that the movie was a movie within a movie, once again, about how they're trying to create this musical in Hollywood. So with that being said, Andrea, do you think the musical aspect does make the movie better than if it was just a straight rom-com? I don't think that it could have been a straight rom-com, because the storyline would have had to be a tiny bit different. Like, they wouldn't have been making a musical in the movie if it was a straight rom-com. So there had to be some musicality to the movie. What do you think, John? I think it had to be a musical. Agreed with the whole, I don't think the music 
perpetuated the plot in a lot of places. I think it helped with character development in some spots. The Make Em Laugh song really made you understood who that character was. Just slip on a banana peel, the world's at your feet. Make em laugh, make em laugh, make em laugh. That's one of my favorite dance numbers in the whole entire movie. It's a joke unto itself. Don, played by Gene Kelly, is a very capable song and dance guy as he's performing in the movie but he's been successful doing neither in the film career of the character. (laughs) Like he started as a stuntman and then he became a romance star in silent films. And yet he's got this whole other talent that he's showing us, the audience that we're like, well, good thing they're going to talkies now because he should be doing that. (laughs) Stacy, what was the best musical sequence for you? Believe it or not, the tongue twisters, man. Really? Yeah, just because I can't do any tongue twisters, and then just to break into a song and dance number off of that, I thought it was creative. Moses supposes his toes are roses, but Moses supposes erroneously. For the movie this time, they went out of the box there. They did something that no one else has attempted, and it worked for me. Sean, favorite musical sequence? Good Morning gets stuck in my head a lot, but I think I'm going to go with Make Them Laugh. He's just so damn good at the choreography and the singing and everything. And could you describe that character, Cosmo? He wasn't the music director for the silent films, but he got promoted to musical director for the talkies. And I really liked the interplay between those guys being childhood friends. Because of that and the flashback at the beginning that helped set up the character of Don Lockwood, I really liked them playing fiddles. It has a fiddle, ready for love. I can jump over the moon of above. The energy and choreography were to an extent that was just such a bright spot. I kept thinking, geez, Gene Kelly and that other guy, they must have had to do this a few times to stay perfectly in sync like that. Andrea, who do you think is the best singer in this? I had both Debbie Reynolds and Gene Kelly But truly, I think Debbie Reynolds is the winner for Best Singer in this musical. Anybody want to challenge that? Uh, No. She's not staring at you from the other room, is she? No, she's she's a different room. Um, Gene Kelly, it's Gene Kelly. How How do you argue against Gene Kelly? I think if we were talking dancing, I'd say Kelly... Singing, I'm going to have to give it to Debbie Reynolds. I feel like the cast of the three main characters was all very strong for both singing and dancing. So that's why this movie is like so challenging to be like, who was the best? (laughs) Stacy, what did you think of Lena Lamont as the villainess? At first I was confused, but like, as the movie progressed, I started to hate her. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good. That's a good villain. And then they start picking on her voice. Yeah, your voice, I don't like it either now. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Well, to be fair to that actress, it was totally put upon. That wasn't her real voice. So, Stacey, that means you can be friends with her. (laughs) Okay, okay. John, do you have any criticisms for the flick? Yeah, we brought it up earlier how some of the musical numbers don't push the plot forward at all. The one for me that felt the most disconnected when Don is telling the owner of the studio what he plans on doing with the stand sequence. 
And then it gets into this really artsy, weird place. It almost feels like a perfume commercial with this woman with this giant shawl or something, scarf. It was huge. Between that and You Stepped Out of a Dream, I liked both of those sequences only because I felt like they blended musical theater very well with film and cinematography. I thought it was the best visual in the whole movie, and I was transfixed by it. But I also, at a certain point, forgot the context of it. (laughs) And I was trying to remember, like, what started this musical number? Why is Gene Kelly doing this? Agreed. I actually asked John at one point, I was like, what's going on? Why are we in, like, Broadway all of a sudden? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I read into it a little bit. I don't think it'll be surprising to anybody on the show right now that they added some dance numbers to this. So you can really tell when they just said, eh, why don't we do a dance number and sing about tongue twisters? <laughs> Is that okay with you, Gene? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> but then also at the end, that daydream sequence, when I got Kelly was dancing with, I don't know, she's like the mafia boss's wife or something. Oh, yeah. Wasn't that Rita Moreno? And then I could have swore they kissed, but there was a weird cutoff when it happened, I think. Why did that happen? Like, why were they dancing? I got he's dreaming and he came back, but like, what's this little mini sequence within, I guess, the bigger dream? Give us a holler, the screen companion at gmail.com. Tell us what recommendations you digged, which ones we were wrong, and who your favorite guests are. The show is on listening platforms like Podbean, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Help us by getting the word out and giving likes. We have short clips to get you in the mood on the TSC Highlights channel on YouTube. If you want to throw some change at me, check out Traversal, The Weight of Worlds, a sci-fi novel written by your humble host, available in print and digital on Amazon. Now, back to the show. Panelists, are any of you familiar with The Ganja? (laughs) I've heard of it. (laughs) I've seen it in the store because I live in California. (laughs) I feel like singing in the rain would be the best if you're high. Maybe. I had a coworker. This was his all-time favorite movie, and you wouldn't think it (laughs) because he drank himself to death. But this is his favorite movie, so maybe it does lead itself to inebriation of some kind. Because, like, if I had a fever, I would not want to watch this movie because it would just have me questioning reality even more. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what time of day? Is it the morning? Starting with you guys that like musicals, what is it about them that for you is so appealing? Generally, I really actually love the music in musicals. I love seeing the performers dance, but... Dancing is not really the thing I watch musicals for. And then since I am a lighting person, that's also something I'm focusing on, the technical side of the shows and how they come together. Seeing as how all four of us either currently live in San Francisco or have spent a lot of time there, Andre, do you think there's anything about the city that really feels like there's a kinship to musicals? Specific areas of the city, definitely, like the Castro. I wouldn't even say downtown necessarily because, yeah, all the theaters are downtown, but I feel like downtown's kind of gross. All the homeless people are there, too. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they should make a musical so that, no. Oh, my God, if they just started singing and dancing (laughs) in the middle of the street. 
traffic's bad enough already. I don't mean... John, if I'm ranking everybody's love of musicals, I'll probably put you in the second spot. Yeah, I think that's fair. What is your backstory with musicals? Is it more incidental for you, or have you actually gone out looking to watch a musical? I married a lighting designer, so now I get dragged to musicals or they're playing in the car. For the most part, I don't think I ever went and saw a live stage musical until my wife dragged me to some of the ones she worked on, or the last time we were in New York City, we went and saw a Broadway play. I do try to pick shows that I know you'll like. I don't make you sit through things that I know you're not going to be super into. Yeah. So, Stacy, have you always had a strong distaste for musicals? Yeah, sadly, always. And it hasn't changed. What turned me off, I can't say for sure, but like after watching these, I kind of like got hints as to why I'm not a fan. Like, what I don't like, what kind of makes me not get into them, you know, doesn't suck me in. As much as I don't like musicals in the film format, I've seen one or two musicals at a theater, and the theater experience is a totally different thing. I think I'm much more willing to engage with it when you're there and you see the actors on stage. I agree with that completely. Yeah, it's a totally different energy, and it really is something else to not have a screen separating you from the performers, so you really get into the music more, I think. I mean, that's why it was definitely hard for me to find a movie, because I was like, yeah, I know a ton of musicals, but they're all stage musicals. And now, Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street, from 2007, directed by Tim Burton. So this is about a wrongfully convicted barber who returns after 15 years in exile, looking to get his revenge on the crooked judge who sent him away in order to possess his wife. Developing an indiscriminate bloodlust, the barber dispatches those wanting a shave and sends their corpses downstairs to be made into meat pies. Who said vengeance couldn't be delicious? (coughs) John, being a culinary expert as you are, How did you feel about the meat pies in this movie and them being made out of people? Just that oven. It looks like she's going to overcook and dry out every pie. (laughs) She sure did this time. (laughs) (laughs) There's something wrong with the people in the town if the human meat is what makes the pie good. Because if they weren't liking it before, the ingredients shouldn't matter that much. She didn't have any spices because it's typical British cooking. I doubt people taste that good anyway. Shows about cooking people, I would have to say Hannibal is up there above Sweeney Todd if we're talking about cooking humans and making it look good. That's a quality cooking show. Oh, yeah. From a chef, that is a quality (laughs) cooking show. They're definitely portraying human food, food that is made from people, differently in Hannibal than they are in this. (laughs) That's true. This is British cooking, so it's... So all that said, John, was it easy for you to have sympathy for Mrs. Lovett? No, get your shit together. Make your food good. (laughs) So I recommended this musical for the haters out there. Woo-woo! Go haters! Because me being pretty much a hater myself, 
I feel like it's got a solid cast that is acting their hearts out in the best theatrical way. So if you can't get into the singing, at least the story side of it is still pretty fun. Andrea, what do you think of this movie in terms of Johnny Depp acting? He's a good actor. I would not have cast him in this role. I also wouldn't have cast the actress who played Mrs. Lovett. The director's wife? Yeah. To me, if you're doing a musical, you need to cast people that can actually sing and act. So the only person in this whole entire musical that I felt like did a decent job was the young boy who was in love with Joanna. (laughs) Vecna from Stranger Things. Yeah, Vecna. (laughs) Yeah. uh... Well, it's funny you say that. The guy who played the young sailor, Vecna, and the actress that played Joanna were really the only ones that had any background in singing. I guess it's not surprising I thought they both sounded pretty good. John, would you have been okay with Johnny Depp being in the role but being dubbed by a professional singer? Uh, Maybe, yeah. I wasn't impressed at all by the singing in this. And in the library of Johnny Depp roles, it stood out to me that he plays just a right bastard in this movie. And I wonder, are there many villain roles that he's played in his career? Like when he acts and he does his best, he's like that flamboyant good guy who's sometimes questionable, but he's not pure evil, but he's still good. John, can you think of one where he's actually a bad guy and not just morally gray? Once upon a time in Mexico, he's kind of a piece of shit in that. He is, but if I recall, he's also pretty charming. Yeah, I guess, until he shoots the chef because the food was too good? What the f*** was that about? How about Willy Wonka? His Willy Wonka's a bastard man, too. This is a good segue into talking about Tim Burton. It felt like singing Edward Scissorhands and singing Corpse Bride, and I don't think he actually directed Nightmare Before Christmas. I think he just helped get it made. That's why it was a good movie. Yeah. Right, yeah, he was a producer. So I can gladly give someone else credit for that movie. (laughs) I feel like it is a very narrow lane that he fits into, and it just so happened that the subject matter with Sweeney Todd and how dark it is fit pretty well with his style. In general, I'm not a huge fan of him after uh, eh, maybe Sleepy Hollow. I lean towards darker musicals. I find that most musicals just are pretty flat. They all have the same storyline. Oh no, get the girl. Yay, happy ending. So I thought I would like Sweeney Todd for the point that it is a darker musical, but I was just like, I didn't really feel a huge connection with the movie. Particularly with the young sailor during some of his singing. I was thinking, you know, this is supposed to be 2007 when they made it. It's a dark goth movie. They really should have brought in Gerard Way from My Chemical Romance to do this part. (laughs) (laughs) It feels like one long MCR music video. It might have worked better, maybe. I don't know. John, do you think the musical aspect of the movie makes it better than if they just played it as a straight horror? Ah, no, I don't think so, honestly. I agree with that. Especially with who they cast, I think, didn't work. Yeah, I feel like I would have associated better with it if the singers were actually good at singing. (laughs) (laughs) I found that the music did add nice shades of love and sadness to the story that helped humanize these otherwise monstrous characters. 
because that's the only time we really see them vulnerable or you're reminded that their lives are tragedies. Andrea, who do you think is the most pitiable character in this? I would say the most pitiable character is the little kid who got swindled into becoming their assistant, and then he got screwed over a little bit. But even he does not survive the movie without some blood on his hands. Also, he said he was going to protect Mrs. Lovett, and I would like to point out that he did not. He failed. (laughs) He failed miserably. (laughs) I was upset they were giving the kids shots, man. How old was he? Like 10, 11, maybe? Well, I would guess he was like seven or eight. And he was getting gin shots? Yeah. <laughs> Drinking whole bottles like a sailor? Come on. Probably had a chest tattoo. Yeah, that was, you know, back in the day. <laughs> back in the day when people used to drink whiskey when they were pregnant. Because the water was bad. We took a tour in London and they're like, the water was awful, so they made <laughs> beer for children. And they still won't give you water when you ask for it. I mean, what the heck? Oh, jeez. <laughs> I'm going to skip to criticisms for this movie. <laughs> I think we are already there. <laughs> Andrea, do you have any other points of contention for this movie? I feel like I didn't strongly associate with the demon Barbara. Johnny Depp has played other characters a lot more strongly than he played. Sweeney Todd, even as just an actor and vocals aside. That could also go back to the fact that you don't get as wrapped up in a character on a film necessarily as you do when it's live theater. Mr. Todd, I'm sorry, he had like one bad day and he decided he's just going to slit every person's throat that he meets? Come on, dude. (laughs) That's like Batman and Joker had a whole thing about this. (laughs) That was the Joker's point and he's supposed to be wrong, right? (laughs) I was thinking of you a little bit watching this movie when we were talking about the Vengeance Trilogy, the Korean series. Yes. Does it feel like this movie is making any sort of point about the ills of trying to seek revenge? Could it have fit that trilogy at all, thematically? I think so, yeah. People seeking vengeance don't fare well, but no one else really fared well either. A lot of people die in this movie. There's some poetic justice to it. Meat pie lady died in her own oven. Yeah, everyone died how they lived, I guess. Burton's style fits this movie like ketchup and mustard on a hot dog. Some of that blood did look like ketchup. I did find that it started to get uninteresting, the production design. It's so persistent throughout the whole movie that you get inured to it pretty quickly. And I wish there was more contrast to the imagery. Like that one scene where uh, Mrs. Lovett is daydreaming and it's a sunny day. What a stark contrast to the rest of the movie. It's just so bright and different. It's like, oh, it doesn't always have to be so miserable looking. (laughs) Wait, what? That's where I left off, honestly, man. 33 minutes and 50 seconds exactly that daydream happened. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know it was a daydream. I didn't know it was a daydream it's also the thing I say about live theater, like, don't put all of your pop and effects in the first act of the show, because then where the hell do you go from there? It was just very repetitive. Thematically, it made sense that these evil, miserable characters would live in this gray, ultra-depressing London, but when it came to the sailor and Joanna, 
especially when they're pining for each other. I'll steal you, Joanna. I'll steal How about a bit more color, some saturation, to reflect what they're feeling on the inside? But even those scenes are very gray. And while you're on that topic of Joanna, I have to mention the confusion for me was, uh, I guess the second time our main character, I guess a side character, he showed up to her house. They start singing a little bit and she just chucks him a key to come on in and whisk her away. I didn't get that, man. Like, wasn't this their second meeting technically? That's how musicals work. You fall in love three seconds after you meet somebody and trust them with everything in your life. <laughs> for such a dark scene, like how the town was, she was too trusting here. It could have been more for her that she was just so over being trapped in that house that it didn't matter who presented a possibility of escape. Making it even more cynical. The judge is like, hey, you know that girl I have locked up in my house that everyone knows about? I think I'm going to marry her. And everyone's just like, that's a great idea, dude. Get the hell out of town. Yeah, you, there's a sailor. Get him the key. Like, Get me out of here. <laughs> You're a means to an end. I don't care. You're pretty, too. Let's get out. I don't know how I would react if a woman started singing her love to me, so maybe it could happen that fast. Yeah, she's putting in the effort. You're worth it. Eating some bad Chinese food at a food court, and all of a sudden this woman across the way just starts singing at me. <laughs> how can you remain staring at the rain, by the and now, the part of the show everybody's been waiting to hear, because this is Stacy's Reckoning. <laughs> now, Stacy, being subjected to all these musicals for the show, do you feel like your feelings about it have improved or gotten worse? My feelings started off really, really bad, in the dumps completely. But as I progressed through the movies, it started getting better, and I could see where my biases were. I say overall, it's actually good the moments in these musicals that you did like, what was it about them that connected with you being a non-musical guy? I think just the parts where like, I zoned in and I actually understood what was going on. I wasn't lost. I wasn't being annoyed by a constant song hitting me every like 30 seconds. The story and just when I connected with the characters, I guess. And what would you say was the best use of a song or musical number in these movies? I said overall the intros intros were actually really good. I found it jarring that singing in the rain from the first frame, singing, I needed to be eased into it a bit more. I expected it, man. You told me musicals, I was like, oh, from the beginning, mindset, I'm, I'm ready, you know, that deep breath. <laughs> the singing and dancing were cut out of these movies. Which one do you think would be better off or more popular? Just taking out the singing and dancing, it had to be Sweeney Todd. For me, like, I love story, and either they took too long to get to my story, or they hit me at the story, and then it was all singing. Singing in the rain, it hit me good. First intro song, then I had no singing for about 20 minutes, but then it became all singing. But I did like the fact that that one had a twist to it. Singing in the rain had a nice twist. I liked that. I caught that one. It was good. And Sweeney Todd, it let me down. <laughs> it let me down. <laughs> I may have hated some other ones worse, but that one, like, <laughs> it was a let down. Andrea, why do you think that is? Why do you think us non musical lovers like that one more? 
I really feel after watching Singing in the Rain that it was the beginning of musicals in the world. That's what they're portraying. Maybe you guys like it because it's like showing the historical aspect of how we went from no music to adding music to shows. And for Sweeney Todd, it's got gothic horror elements that if you're into that, I think that will definitely sustain you if the singing doesn't. Check these both out. You, sir! Two, sir! Welcome to the grave, I will have vengeance. 